going to just try to help us as a congregation uh, work through what's going on in the world around us. Uh, we live in a moment that is difficult and complex uh, to navigate. And if there's ever been a time that showed us how much we need the Lord, it's this moment. Uh, there is evidence all the time that we need God. We can't take a single breath apart from him. And yet there are moments where he just kind of places us and says, you really need me now. And uh, yesterday was the 75th anniversary of D-Day. A day of remarkable bravery and sacrifice. It's moments like that that make us proud of our heritage and thankful for the way that God has blessed our nation. At the same time, we don't have to look very far to see that there are a lot of people in pain and looking for answers and that our nation is in a quandary, in trouble. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus engaged in a conversation with a man about eternal life. And the man asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him about the, the law, and he said, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, if you do this, you will live, you'll have eternal life. But the man, of course, knew he didn't do these things perfectly, and so he asked Jesus a trick question. He said, who is my neighbor? And it's at that point that Jesus tells a story, the story we know as the Good Samaritan. And for the sake of time, we won't go into the entire story in detail, but Two religious men, men pass by a man who is hurting, broken, bleeding on the side of the road. He's been assaulted. And a third person passes by. This man is a Samaritan. We know him as the good Samaritan, but uh, that wouldn't have, he wouldn't have sounded good to Jesus' original audience. He was a racial and cultural outcast in Israel. And it's this man that stops to help the wounded man. He binds his wounds. He provides him lodging and offers him uh, whatever help he needs. So at the end of the story, Jesus now asks this man a question. He said, which of these three was his neighbor? The man is no idiot, and so he rightfully answers, the one who showed him mercy. And so Jesus says to this man, you go and do likewise. Now in our congregation, we have a number of families, and we're blessed to have a number of families involved in law enforcement. Um, those men are not here today uh, because they're serving this weekend. And if there's ever been a day when these families needed prayer and encouragement, it's, it's now. Now, I'll tell you as a pastor, it's not easy to deal with unruly members, but they're no, normally not throwing bricks at me. Uh, but, and these men and women literally risk their lives for the safety and well-being of our community. Right now, you see them talking with them over the past week or two and letting them know we're praying for them and thinking of them. Uh, they're doing it without seeing their families, and their families are hurting and um, so I personally have made the peace and flourishing of these people a matter of focused prayer. And I would just encourage us as a congregation uh, to do this too, to pray for their peace and safety. But the conversation that our nation is engaged in is a conversation uh, that is ostensibly about peace, uh, about uh, police and people of color. But really it's a 400 plus year conversation. It's one, one that's going on for a long time. And the trials that our nation is undergoing now is about our nation in the broader culture and the way we have treated the African-American community. If you look back through history, every legislative change, whether it's the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery or the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act of the 1960s, they come only after intense conflict. So why share all of this? It's important that for us as Christians, we don't get our talking points or our perspective primarily from political talking heads or from the media. 
when I was first coming to Ashley River and candidating here, the first person to express a concern about racial reconciliation uh, was actually one of the officers in our church, Charlie Benton, who um, asked me some questions, and he also demonstrated a heart for hurting communities and uh, also loved that our congregation in Rockford had a sister congregation, an African-American Baptist congregation um, in our community there. So all of this is, is the introduction for what I'm about to say, uh, that we support those whom God has placed in authority in law enforcement in particular. Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. I wanted to share with you uh, now just a couple of pictures. So this is from a prayer walk that uh, a number of local pastors, a, a member of our Baptist Association, um, as well as an uh, African-American pastor in the community organized this. It was just to pray for the gospel to change our culture and to change uh, our city. So you can see here the, the chief of police. Uh, we're praying over here. He uh, joined us on this prayer walk, and we walked through a number of places in the city praying that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. It was a humbling thing. Uh, people lifted up their voices uh, in prayer together. I got a little, I think this will play okay. Um, so you can, and you can see here, uh, that's uh, Marshall Blaylock, the pastor at First Baptist, praying on the steps of Mother Emmanuel Church. Uh, next to him is Pastor Drippin, the pastor at Morris Street Baptist Church, which is the church that was uh, founded from slaves from First Baptist Church. They left um, after the Civil War. wanted to uh, share that as we also as a family observed another kind of uh, protest another protest downtown and of course we can as Christians endorse everything that happens um, in, in any protest or any movement but I want us to just think as a church what do we do in a moment like this and there are four things that I wanted to encourage us to think through one is to repent two is to lament Third is to pray, and fourth is to love. And I just wanted to talk about these. And I apologize, you're kind of getting two sermons in one this morning. But um, there are moments where it's difficult for us to know how to engage in a, a, a conversation about racial conflict. Sometimes people say, well, how do we repent of things we haven't uh, personally done? And God's word does address corporate sin and corporate uh, repentance. So like if you look at the, the sin of Achan in the book of Joshua, where one person sins and God holds the nation responsible. At the same time, uh, that's not what we're going to address now. I'm not in a position 
um, to do that. I just want to think through this as a local church. And the sad truth is that the history of our church isn't a proud one when it comes to race. We thank God for every member of our church, including African Americans. But when the first African American member of our congregation joined, um, some members refused to shake her hand and welcome her. We had an employee of our church leave the employee of our church because at the time, this is a couple decades ago, but I've since talked to this employee, shared this story that um, because at the time, at least on one of our routes that was picking up children for church, refused to pick up uh, black children to hear the gospel. We had an African-American show up at church, a man show up at church one Sunday, and a member of our church brandished a weapon under his coat and pointed at this guest. Well, how do I know these stories? They all happened before I personally arrived. It's because members of our church have shared them. They're part of the story of our congregation. And so it's not enough as a church to ignore these things or just wish they hadn't happened. God gives us a way of dealing with this, and it's repentance. A failure to love our neighbor. A failure to welcome all people made in the image of God. And as a church, not only are we repenting of this, we commit to loving all people and welcoming all people here. That is the kind of church that we will be. This is, by the way, this is not a tacit rebuke of any individual. I don't have any faces in mind. I'm just saying, as a church, this is who we're going to be. It's not enough just to pretend we're enlightened now and move forward. We must repent of our past. So, Lord, we say to you that we are sorry. And I ask each of us individually to search our souls and to repent of racism where God reveals it. So the first thing is repent. Second thing we said is lament. Lament is a category in Scripture. The Lord gives us words to address grief, pain, sadness, injustice when we don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray. So we lament sin. We lament injustice. Our failure and the failure of God's people to love others as we should. So Psalm 42 says, I say to my God, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. When you don't know what to pray or say, you can turn to scripture and use God's language, the language his people throughout history have used to call out to him. Repent, lament, thirdly, pray. There's a strong tendency to rush to judgment, to express our opinions about what's going on. But it seems to me that it would be healthiest for God's people right now to call out to the Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. So let's spend more time praying for God to work by his word and his spirit. More time than we spend complaining or giving opinions about what's going on. Repent, lament, pray, and thirdly, fourthly, uh, love. And under this, I kind of got three L's. Listen, learn, and love. Micah 6 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, 
but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is my life verse. It's also a clear command what God calls us to. He calls us to pursue justice and to love kindness. Those things sound contradictory, but they're not. How do we do this? I'd encourage us as members of this congregation to develop meaningful relationships with people of color, particularly those in the African-American community. I can promise you this. You will not find yourself agreeing on every point. But God calls us to love those around us. And we cannot love them if we don't have meaningful relationships with them. You will learn and understand a different perspective. And I don't mean this just say, well, you, you work with someone who's black or you have a black friend. I mean, giving them a safe space, like listening to them. Because I can guarantee you, we all have people that we know or that we encounter that need a safe space to hurt, to lament, and to commit ourselves to loving them. And many of these are members of the body of Christ. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. And living in community with others changes our perspective. We're also going to do this as a church. And by this, I, I shared before our congregation in Rockford developed a relationship with New Zion Missionary Baptist Church, an African-American, largely African-American church. We had, we had African-American members in our church. They had white members in their church. But in terms of ratio, they were pretty much the same. We were mostly, mostly uh, white. They were mostly black. We're going to continue to pray for black churches as we pray for other local churches. And also, as God gives us opportunity, practice hospitality uh, to black congregations and pastors. So I've already been working to do this with pastors, and we'll be doing this as a congregation too. It's not going to happen all at once. It's, there's, there's, there's not tokenism. It's not something you can just make happen. But as the Lord uh, provides opportunity to invite uh, God-fearing, word-preaching pastors here, we'll do that. And we also state unequivocally as a church that we make disciples of all peoples. It's not about quotas or political correctness it is about mission it is about the gospel ephesians tells us that god has reconciled us to himself in christ and he compels us to be reconciled to those of different races and what would be a clear evidence of god's glory a display of god's glory here on earth than people of different races cultures ethnicities Different skin colors serving each other, loving each other, and worshiping together. We sing Amazing Grace differently, but we are saved by the same amazing grace. We serve one God as one people of God. In Ephesians 2, Paul is talking about what Jesus did to make us one. He says he broke down the dividing wall of hostility by the blood of the cross. It took the death of the Son of God to do this. And we want to live this out in love with one another. So, we're going to begin our service now. And I'm just going to pray. Pray for us as a congregation. Pray for our community. That God would do a remarkable work by the power of his spirit.
several years ago that the Lord really began working in my heart about this, this specific issue. And I realized there's a lot I don't know. And I'm here several years later. There's a lot I still don't know. But we need the Lord. We need to be humble and listen and learn. There are a lot of conversations that need to take place outside the church, and I'm not in a position to address those, nor am I trying to. I'm just saying what a perspective as a church must be. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. God, we come to you, and we acknowledge we need you. Lord, would you intervene in our lives and in our lives as individual members of the body of Christ and of this body of Christ. Lord, in our communities today, would you, by the blood of the cross, break down the dividing wall of hostility. Lord, help us to not be the kind of people that say, who is my neighbor, but God, the kind of people that show mercy to our neighbors. There is sin and brokenness around us, but some of this sin, God, has been specific to our congregation. Lord, we repent. We repent of not loving our neighbor. We repent of, of hostility we've shown, some of whom, some of that has been toward members of our congregation. But we also believe in the power of your word and the power of your spirit. Lord, would you come meet us here? Lord, would you make us the kind of people who proactively and passionately and powerfully love those around us? Lord, help us not be so concerned about where we are or our, our, our personal comfort that we're afraid to reach out in a way that makes us uncomfortable. Lord, would you come? Would your spirit come? Would you empower us for this work? God, we need you. If we ever needed you, we need you now. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we stand in heaven and sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power and blessing. And with us there around the throne will be thousands upon thousands, myriad upon myriads, people from every tribe, language, and nation, all worshiping God together. God, I thank you for your word and the way it equips us for every aspect of life. Lord, help our thinking and our living to be guided by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.